The Santa Maria had sailed over 8,000 kilometers when the Spanish sailor Rodrigo de Triana at last sighted land and shouted, Land ahoy! His cry announced the most spectacular error in the history of mankind. Instead of landing in India as he had intended, Columbus had discovered America. To be exact, San Salvador. Two weeks later, he reached Cuba. Gradually, the city of Havana developed, situated in a sheltered bay, the jewel of the Caribbean. In stark contrast to the modern metropolis, the old town, La Havana Vieja. This never ceasing to and fro of old and new, inside and outside, noise and quiet, gives Havana a rhythm all its own. Virtually nothing has remained in its pure and original state. Everything's a mixture. And this has been going on for 500 years, ever since Native Americans began to intermix with Europeans, and later with Africans, too. Sacred places seem to exert a strong power. At any rate, Visitors to the city love to come to this square where the Seiba, or silk cotton tree, stands. According to legend, the city was originally founded under this magic tree. But more important than the legend itself is the way the tree's story has gone through so many versions in its history. The Native Americans worshipped it. The Spaniards wove a legend of the Virgin Mary around it. And the Africans naturally believed their gods lived in its powerful branches. But despite the legends and the various religious beliefs surrounding the place, the people of Havana played safe and built powerful walls and well-fortified citadels to protect themselves from infidels and conquerors and pirates. History doesn't record the fate of that governor of Havana who set out to look for the source of eternal youth. Was he just too gullible? Or did he fall under the spell of another woman? At any rate, his wife went blind and spent the rest of her life waiting patiently for his return. A woman remembered still as the perfect example of steadfastness, strength of will and devotion. Later, a new fortress, the Del Moro Citadel, was built on the other side of the harbor entrance, directly opposite its old counterpart. At night, a chain was stretched between the two castles so that no ship could enter unnoticed. From then on, the city was practically unassailable. Havana's coat of arms symbolizes the two main sources of the city's pride, its position as the key to the new world, and its determination to defend this position daughtily.
Plaza Vieja, the old square, with its hodgepodge of architectural styles and the dilapidated state of its facades and plasterwork, the square exudes an air of Baroque melancholy. The sun blazes down onto the city 250 days a year. Temperatures rarely fall under 25 degrees Celsius during the day. Where there is so much light, it seems natural to make it a feature, to play with it, use it creatively and give it artistic form. Almost all the larger buildings have decorative colored glass windows known as vitrales. which face out onto the street, pleasant courtyards open up, beautifully decorated in bright colors. The Cathedral Square is probably the most important center today. The cathedral looks old, but in fact it was built only 200 years ago. The soft coral limestone has been eaten away by the damp, salty sea air. As is so often the case, it's precisely the element which gave the city its wealth that is destroying it. As a port, Havana became the gateway to the new world. Now, sun, water and wind seem to be demanding back what was snatched from it. Small wonder that the American author Ernest Hemingway wrote his famous novella, The Old Man and the Sea, here. The fish that the sharks reclaimed from the old fisherman in the story was a marlin, a type of swordfish. It's a long time since any really rich people have lived in the old town. They all moved long ago to modern villas on the outskirts. The old palaces were left to share the fate of the cathedral and the rest of the old town until UNESCO declared the whole ensemble a World Heritage Site. Despite the country's poverty, more and more buildings and courtyards were restored. And today, architecture and painting, museums and dance, ordinary school lessons and tourism mix and merge, creating together the opportunity for a new culture to arise.
Now that the palaces are open to everyone, the grills and railings on the houses serve no practical function. Up to the last century, they were made of richly carved wood, and their primary function was to keep out the blinding sunlight and the prying looks of all too indiscreet neighbors. These days, they're made of wrought iron and look light and delicate, despite the heavy material. Cuba's former wealth was based on rum, sugar, and tobacco. Tobacco was still a major source of income. When Columbus sent out his scouts to look for gold and other treasures, they came back empty-handed. But they all told stories of strange chimney men with pipes in their mouths which glowed at the tip. The hotel in which Nobel Prize winning author Ernest Hemingway once lived. He was an American the Cubans are proud of. He mixed with the people, drank with them, and helped to make another of Cuba's important exports world famous, rum. Reputedly, Hemingway came every day to La Bodeguita del Medio for his mojito, a drink made of rum, soda, and a sprig of fresh mint. A truly new culture has developed in Havana because the people are proud of the part they played in the new world. Columbus was its founder and so he's part of it. His monument takes pride of place in the palace of the captain's general. All the palaces here tell the story of the people's history. Though the architecture comes from faraway Europe, the people who live here and the way of life are indigenous to this world. Jose Marti, the Cuban national hero, was aware of this. Thanks to him, the Native Americans, the blacks and the peasants learned to cope in their own way with life in the big unfriendly city. On the Malecon, the longest coastal promenade in the whole world, we can see again what makes Havana so special. The countless different styles of architecture and the melancholy air of the people. But here the open sea let some freedom and some hope into the crowded old town. Maybe that's why this is a favorite place for lovers to meet when darkness begins to fall.
Every evening at 9 o'clock, a cannon is ceremoniously fired. This used to be the signal for the closing of the city gates. Today, it startles newly arrived tourists, but for the local people, it's simply something to set their watches by. <laughs>